On the virtual Bible study tonight, we want to talk about developing elders. Well, we're going to do two things. We're first going to talk about what happens when a church doesn't have elders. Can, yeah. can a church even scripturally exist without elders? We want to deal with that question. I think that's a question in a lot of people's minds. But then we do want to talk about in congregations where there are no elders, or even in churches where there might be some existing elders, how do we develop more? How do we how do we bring men along who can serve in that important role? All right. It should be a good discussion. We're going to get it started right now. It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, Internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 Three one three eight one four five six seven, or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And we are on the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, August twenty third, two thousand and eighteen. Thank you for joining us on the program tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad. Jacob, great to be with you tonight. Good to be with you, Anthony Petrachko is behind the board tonight. Anthony, welcome to the program. Thanks. Glad to be here. Looking forward to comments from you on that side of the screen tonight, Anthony, and uh, looking forward to our listeners commenting as well. Toll free, 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com and in the chat room tonight. We love feedback from our listeners. Uh, we love it during the program. So contact us during the pro- program by email or in the chat room. We like get a lot of contact on the off hours. We're on one hour out of the week, but during the rest of the week, we, we our email box is still open and we get contact and we're always glad for that. We always encourage you to send in any questions you have. Um, got some this week and we'll, we'll start to save those up and work again toward another one of our programs where we deal with listener questions. But, um, if you have questions, send them in. Uh, if you disagree, let us know, and 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 maybe we could arrange to discuss our disagreement because we honestly believe that if we uh, will approach the scriptures honestly and carefully, we can come to agreement about what the Bible says. Yeah, we need one of those uh, discussions again with someone who disagrees with us. Those are always beneficial, so we need to work on those. And if you have someone that'd be willing to talk to us, if you'd be willing to talk to us, get in touch with us via email at any time. We'd love to hear from you. All right, so tonight we want to talk about elders. We've, we've, looking back through our archives, and we always remind you, we've got 13 years worth of archives, uh, um, over, oh, I guess 600, over 650 maybe, uh, programs on all kinds of subjects. But if you go back in the archives, there are a few archived programs that deal with the question of elders, but not many. It's, not, it's a subject we haven't talked about a whole lot on the virtual Bible okay. study, but it's an important biblical subject for sure. And so we want to deal with that tonight. Earlier today, we sent out to our update list. We always remind you, get on our list if you're not. You can you can do that by sending us an email to questions at collegeview.com. Just say, add me to the list. To our update list earlier today, we sent out these questions leading up to our discussion this evening. Number one, is it scriptural for a church to exist without elders? Okay. Number two, in cases where there are no elders, what rules apply to, first, making decisions on doctrinal matters, Secondly, making decisions on matters of expediency. Right. Third, what can a man do to develop himself toward becoming an elder? 
And fourth, what can other church members who might never serve themselves, in other words, what could church members do? They're not going to be in a position to serve as elders. We'll describe some of those kind of people later. But if you're a person in a congregation, you would never be able to serve as an elder yourself. What can you do to help other men develop to become elders? We've got some good feedback on that tonight, and we'll look forward to yours as well. Uh, This is a a topic that's... uh, I'd say very, very uh, much needed in churches uh, around the world today. It seems like uh, you hear a lot of about churches, Anthony, that uh, need good elders to, to lead the, the groups. Right. I mean, you think about any kind of institution or any kind of uh, group or corporation in the literal sense of the word, you need good leaders. And, um, and so certainly uh, individual congregations can be at their optimum level when they have uh, good, sound, biblical leadership. Several years ago, uh, I was invited to participate in a in a weekend study uh, in Upper East Tennessee, um, and uh, lots of members from various congregations were present. I, I, I would guess that there were probably rep- representative members. Not, I mean, they weren't representatives, but they they were members of several different representative congregations. I'm guessing there was probably six or eight different members from different congregations that were present for for this Bible study. And the first question was asked was, how many here have ever served in a congregation with elders? I raised my hand. One other guy raised his hand, and that was it. There were probably 40 or 50 people present, and two of us had ever even had the privilege of serving in a congregation where there were elders. Right. And so there's a lot of churches. Typically, we think of smaller churches, but there's some larger churches that function without elders. And so it's not a wasted question to ask, is that even proper? Could you scripturally exist as a congregation without an eldership? Um the the evidence is very plain, I think, that obviously churches can exist without elders. Because when churches began, those first congregations, as Paul went about, for instance, on his very first missionary journey, he was establishing, through the preaching of the gospel, congregations were being started in the various cities where he was. And near the end of that missionary journey, he went back through some of those same places. Acts 14, beginning verse 21, when they had preached the gospel to to Derbe and had taught many, they returned again to Lystra, to Iconium, to Antioch, confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith. And when they had ordained them elders in every church and had prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord on whom they believed. So notice... These congregations had already been established. Paul was backtracking through some of those same places where those churches already were in existence. And he was planting, I mean, he was uh, uh, helping them to establish elderships in those congregations. So I think the simple answer, now someone could say, well, maybe, yeah, but they weren't congregations for very long because Paul hit, hit back there on the same missionary church. That may be true, but that's not, I mean, that doesn't, our, our point is proven when we say they existed without elders. Maybe not for a long time, but at least they existed for some time. We don't know how long, but without elders. But as is mentioned there, though, they had a strong desire to get those elders in place. They, uh, they There was this concerted effort to make that happen. Yeah, and, I, and it's usually observed that 
in those congregations, when Paul went into these different cities, the first people that he tried to teach were the Jews in those cities. Uh, typically, some would believe and be converted to Christ. Then he would meet opposition because the other Jews would be grow jealous. And he was persecuted and run out of uh, those cities. But the argument can be made that there were probably some spiritually oriented people in those places already. Men who were devout Jews, when they learned the truth about Jesus, they were converted to Christ. But they already had a deep spiritual uh, element in their lives. And so probably it would have been easier to to develop elders in in that environment than it would have been if he was working among a, a strictly a, a, a lot of pagans. Right. Uh, but the point, I mean, uh, the only point we have to establish is that those churches existed before and without elders. Yes. Now, there's another interesting statement to Titus in Titus chapter one verse five. Paul says to Titus, for this cause I left thee in Crete, that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting and ordain elders in every city as I had appointed thee. Again, those churches already existed. And Paul said, I want you to make sure they get elders in those. It's kind of interesting that he used the expression set in order the things that are wanting. There's something wanting. There's something not exactly like you want it to be. If there's not elders, you know, that's a very good point because I've heard it said explicitly and probably many times implied that when the discussion of appointing elders comes up, folks aren't all that eager to have elders, maybe even expressly state, you know, we, we're, we're doing, doing fine without we elders. We don't really need elders. Why would we want that? And then there's others who I think don't want elders because if they do, then they will have less say in what happens in the congregation. They sort of like being able to call the shots. And so if we have elders, then that's going to jeopardize that. And so yeah, we don't need them. Yeah. Paul said that you do. Something is wanting. Something yeah. is lacking. We, we understand that expression, but we'd probably say something is lacking. Something, You're missing something. Yeah, something's not right, not exactly where it ought to be. Right. Anthony? Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, you can't we, you can't really argue with that verse, and, and there's so much uh, other scripture in the New Testament about elders and the importance of elders. I think it would be, you know, it, it, would, it would be erroneous to try to say, well, you know, let's just keep with the status quo. We don't need elders, you know. Uh, I think you pretty much can't get around that, that that's, that's what we should all be, each congregation should be striving toward, if at all possible, right? Uh, uh, to anybody who thinks that it's good or uh, maybe even better to not have elders, well, first of all, anybody who would say that pretty obviously has never been in a situation in a congregation where there were good elders because it is so far superior just from our own experience. But even if you beyond that, you'd be casting off on God's wisdom uh, to right. say it's better to not have them because God's wisdom says it's better to have them. And I think it, it, I think anybody who's ever been able to serve in a congregation where there were good elders would say it's definitely better with elders. Absolutely. 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. So I think you've proven from the scriptures that you can have a scriptural congregation without elders. Kent in Calhoun, Georgia, agrees, yes, no local New Testament church is planted or formed with existing elders. Qualified men must be selected from an existing local congregation. So Ken agrees. 
And furthermore, I think it's important uh, to note in this discussion about the fact that congregations can't exist without elders. Congregations should exist without elders if there are no men that are qualified. I think that's a good observation. We didn't note that in any of our questions. But I, I, I believe it's a true statement, Jacob. It's better to have no elders than to have unqualified elders. Now, our lesson tonight, what we're discussing tonight, doesn't really, we, we're not going to dive off into the question of the various qualifications that men must meet to be elders. We'll do that a little bit when we talk about developing elders. But, uh, you know, it has been suggested before in different congregations. I've heard of this. Thankfully, I've never dealt with it personally, but... Uh, well, this guy, he's, he's not ideal, and he's, he's not, there's some question about his qualification, but it'd be better to have, I mean, even if he's not totally qualified, it'd be better to have him as an elder so we can have elders. No, that's, that's wrong. It'd be better to have no elders at all than to have unqualified men serving as elders. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's a, that's an excellent point, and, uh, you know, kind of reading between the lines is something that you said we didn't, we didn't specifically bring out in the questions, but, that's a, an extremely important point. We, you know, the qualifications for elders are are just as scriptural and are just as binding as the fact that we should be striving. There for you go. Elders. That's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. They, if, following the rules about that are the same as following the rules about anything. Exactly. And, right. and folks have a tendency in their desire to have elders is to maybe maybe uh, sort of swallow hard and uh, not real comfortable with that. But we're gonna do we're gonna do it. We, we've got to have elders. Yeah. Not uh, something you want to do. Yeah. Now, okay. Let's see how much time we got here? Uh, let, let's grab a let's grab a break, Jacob. And when we come back from this break, let's talk about okay. So if it's if it's scriptural to exist without elders, our que- our follow up question was. How do we make decisions? How do we make decisions about doctrinal issues? How do we make decisions about matters of expediency? How do we, how do we function and how do we operate if there are no elders? Oh, that's a good question. That's a follow-up to the idea that it is scriptural to exist without elders, and we're going to get to that on the other side of the break. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study will continue right after this. Have you checked out all of the resources on collegeview.com lately? Check it out now while you listen to these important messages. The virtual Bible study will be right back after this. Do you remember when elders, deacons, preachers, and Bible class teachers and all church members had strong commitment to the Word? Do you recall when you can always count on book, chapter, and verse preaching from the pulpit? Can you think back to a time when Christians were known as people of the book because they knew their Bible so well? We're still trying to be a church like the church you read about in the Bible. And we're still doing the same things you remember from way back when. Are you longing for a return to the way things used to be? Come and visit. See for yourself. Here's some quotes worth pondering. Real integrity is doing the right thing, knowing that nobody is going to know whether you did it or not. Benjamin Franklin said, Hide not your talents. They for use were made. What's a sundial in the shade? Choosing to do the things of God is sometimes hard at the beginning, but it becomes easy and peaceful in the end. On the other hand, the wrong choices are very easy to make at the beginning, but they end up complicated, difficult, and full of regrets later. Man, wish I'd said that. Use your internet connection for something good. Listen to the virtual Bible study every week. Now, back to the program. And we are back on the program tonight as we talk about elders and the fact that congregations can exist without elders and uh, now into some of the mechanics of how they can act and uh, make decisions in the absence of elders. So let's imagine then, uh, and I think probably lots of people who are listening tonight know this situation. Unfortunately, they know it well because they may very well be in this situation. So what are we going to do? We have no elders. How do we function? We first ask, what do we do about matters of doctrine? How do we deal with matters of doctrine? Well, 
first of all, in doctrine, the decisions are already made. Uh, we, we don't, we, we're not going to take a vote or, 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 or try to have a conference to make a decision about doctrine. Doctrine matters are already decided. Uh, and so there's, there's no human being that has any decision making capacity when it comes to matters of doctrine. Uh, for instance, uh, we got an issue now here. We're in a church and we have no elders. And the question has come up, should we start baptizing babies? How are we going to decide that? We can't decide. We don't have elders. We don't have elders. Well, the elders wouldn't be, the elders would be of no help in that matter anyway, because they, they don't have any authority to decide that. It's already decided. We'll go to the scripture and we'll get the biblical, uh, answer to that. So we don't have, we don't have to have elders to decide doctrinal issues. We just use the authority of the scriptures. Colossians 3.17, whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of or by the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so that's what we do. In fact, if, if anybody tried to come along and, and teach or do differently, in Galatians 1 verses 8 and 9, Paul said, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that you have received, let him be accursed. And so, um, that that's uh, that's a real easy uh, thing to to answer. The doctrine doctrinal questions will be handled the same as if you had or didn't have elders. Yeah, that's right. And I think maybe it's a, that's a good point to make is that having elders doesn't relieve anyone in the church of the responsibility to ensure that all things are being done uh, according to the scriptures. Yeah, uh, that that things are being taught and practiced that in, are in harmony with God's will. I think sometimes we want to relegate that to the elders so the elders will keep us on track. Well, the elders may or may not. We need. We all have an individual responsibility to make sure that that occurs. Through the years, I've had more than one episode where you're trying to talk to someone maybe about some of the things that are going on in the church that they attend, some of the things that are not being done by scriptural authority. And I've actually had people more than once say, well, I don't go along with that, but that's that's on the elders. That's their business. No, it's my business, too. If I'm a member of a local church, uh, it's my business to make sure, uh, and everybody's business, to make sure that we're following scriptural authority. Absolutely. And the elders have zero uh, authority to do otherwise. Kent in Georgia says, Making decisions on doctrinal matters must be decided by the men of a local church where there are no elders. God has already revealed the answers to such by means of the inspired word. Those men must respect the authority of the New Testament in coming to the proper decisions. I think that's exactly right. Okay. So we're going to go to the scriptures. That's, that's easy. Now, the harder area has to do with areas that we would identify as matters of expediency. And I just to probably need to back up just a minute to, to explain what we mean by matters of expediency. So some areas of authority are specific. When God has specified, we do exactly what he said. We do it exactly the way he said to do it. Other areas are, are areas of general authority. And when there is general authority... Then we are at liberty to use lawful expedience to accomplish those things. For example, the, the church has been given the general authority of supporting evangelists. We read about churches in the New Testament doing that. And so we have the authority to do that. But which evangelist are we going to support? Yeah, and I'll be careful of that because there's some specific authority about how evangelists are supposed to be supported. There are. So, uh, yeah. but, but, uh, as, 
uh, there would be a judgment, a judgment that, into, uh, yeah. as to which evangelist yeah. are we going to support. Maybe maybe one that would be a little clearer is going to, going to all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. Well, there's lots of ways to go. You know, we could go by supporting evangelists, or maybe send an evangelist. Maybe uh, right now the church here at College View is supporting uh, a, a preacher in South America in Chile. We also just recently began to uh, support a preacher who's moved to preach in Puerto Rico. We're excited about that, but there had there had to be some decisions made. As, For some as, judgment. Yeah, the the, the the fellow Nestor Sanchez. You hear his ad. We have a little advertising blurb from Nestor uh, that we play from time to time on the virtual Bible. So we love Nestor. We've been supporting him for. Oh man, we've been supporting him for over fifteen years in in uh, in Chile. Uh, that decision uh, probably has faded in people's memory. We made that a long time ago. And, but, but this more recent one, we're supporting Isaac Munoz to preach in Puerto Rico. And we just made that decision here recently. So we've been sort of through the process. How do we decide who to support? Uh, so questions like that. Or maybe even in, in an oversimplified way, uh, we need new carpet in the church building. You know, the, the carpet's looking pretty ratty. In fact, just this week, uh, uh, my wife and I were cleaning uh, the auditorium. And when there's nobody in there, when, when you're just looking at the carpet uh, without people standing all around, it's looking pretty ratty. <laughs> we probably need to be getting serious about changing that out. Well, how are we going to decide that? You know, now, again, that's an authorized thing. The, the, the matters pertaining to an assembly place are authorized. We're authorized. We've talked about this before in the virtual Bible say we're authorized to have a church building. And therefore the necessary appurtenances to the church building are also authorized, but there's decisions to be made about how you're going to do that. Uh, and so how would we go about it? Well, I think, uh, first of all, I, I, I've got some principles written down that I think we should observe. First of all, no one ought to try to usurp the role of elders or usurp the uh, the decision-making role in any local congregation. In Third John, we have the example of a man who tried to do that. Uh, Diotrephes in Third John, verses 9 and 10, I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, who loveth to have the preeminence among them, receiveth us not. Wherefore, if I come, I will remember his deeds, which he doeth, prating against us with malicious words, not content therewith, neither doth he himself receive the brethren, and forbiddeth them that would, and casteth them out of the church. Um, And so here's a guy who was trying to take on himself the controlling power in the church, and John speaks in very harsh terms concerning him, and and so I think it would it would be our point our purpose as well to oppose anyone who would try to usurp the, an overseer role or a decision maker role on himself like a diatrophies. We'd have to oppose that. So the first uh, I think the first practical rule in a church that doesn't have elders is that no one person can usurp the role or take the power on himself if he's not quali- not a qualified elder. All right, let's go to the phones, and uh, welcome to the Virtual Bible Study. Hey, guys, uh, glad to be on. Thanks for taking my call. Who are we talking with tonight? Uh, you're talking to the same guy I called in last time, Richard. Hey, Richard, and where are you calling from? Uh, Florida. Florida. Hey, oh, that's right, Richard, good to, good to talk to you again. Uh, likewise, guys. Appreciate you hey, calling um, 
Uh, hey guys, uh, our uh, congregation down here uh, does not have elders either. Uh, you know, we're a small congregation. So, but my question is, does our preacher is uh, you know moving moving away, and uh, we get the opportunity to uh, look for another minister? So, my question, you know, come to you know us men as in the uh, you know in the congregation who are going to be interviewing these uh, ministers are. What kind of questions would you ask, you know, because I, I don't know, I'm new into it, but what kind of questions could we pose to the new ministers as somebody who doesn't have elders? Good question. I think that's a good uh, question, Richard. Now, uh, obviously, some of the things we're talking about tonight uh, are going to come to play because there has to be some agreement and consensus and nobody can nobody can usurp uh, power and and force their will on everybody else. There's going to. And so we're going to talk about as we continue our discussion, tonight, we're going to talk about some of the things about how we work together in the congregation when there aren't elders. But specifically in regards to questions that you want to ask, I, I think there are, that's always somewhat subjective, but I think there's always going to be some questions you're going to want to ask about where the man stands on doctrinal issues. You know, there, there are some particular issues that are particularly concerning that have caused trouble in congregations. You know, uh, questions, for instance, about where a man would stand on marriage, divorce, and remarriage. Uh, Issues like that. So I, I think probably some of the men of the congregation would sit down ahead of time and say, when anybody comes to talk to us about this work, let's ask them about. And then you you all put your heads together and say, I'd like to make sure we're all on that, that he would be on the same page with us on on these issues like marriage, divorce and remarriage and so forth. So I, I think that's I, uh, we're going to talk about how we work together to come to consensus on such issues. But I, I, primarily, I, I would be concerned in talking to someone who's interested in a preaching work to make sure that they're going to preach the whole counsel of God and that they're not going to pervert the truth or teach something that's not found in the word of God. That would be the main issue. Now, there's some other practical things that come up, you know, about support. Uh, about uh, I, I don't know if the church there where you are is large enough to support a man full time. If he's not, what about support? Can this be arranged? Can the man does the man know some churches that would be able to help and support him in the work? Would they be willing to do so? Uh, something about the man's person. Some questions about the man's personal life, his his family situation, and so forth. Because sometimes uh, you know m- maybe particular issues in a man's uh, family for instance might make it where he wouldn't be particularly effective in a in a given work questions like that would come up okay well i appreciate it because when we did because we all came together and you know we we made a list of ideas you know of questions so we have a collective but then they also said you know just you know anything that you can think of and uh you know uh being the first time i didn't know if there was any specific outside the questions of the realm of authority and all that you know yeah i don't i, I think it's but. yeah i think it's pretty much up to you guys to, to sort of get your get your uh questions list together but i do i commend you for thinking ahead and planning for that uh because it's a very important decision to be made and and you want to do it carefully 
the right man can be a real blessing. The wrong man can be a horrible disaster, as you well know. I'm sure that you've got to be careful to pick the right individual. So I, I commend you. I think you're, I think you're on the right page. But we're going to talk about some more things as we go along here, Richard. As, stay with us on the, uh, keep listening to, uh, as we talk about some other things about how we, we come together and get consensus when there's no elders. Will do, guys. Keep up the good work. Thanks, Thanks Richard. Richard. Offline. Good, li- good to hear right. from you tonight, Richard. Thank you for calling. And the line is open, 877-381-4567. Excellent questions from Richard, and uh, and it illustrates some of the challenges that you go through uh, in a congregation without elders. Yeah. So the first thing we said, and, I, and I, I do think this goes right to Richard's question, how do we make these kind of decisions? Because this would be a, a, a question for a church without elders, this, in other words, this is a judgment call. How are we going to decide on a preacher? Uh, so first, no one man can usurp the role. Even the preacher, if, even if you had a preacher, the preacher couldn't usurp the role. In Ephesians four eleven and twelve, he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors. Evangelists and pastors are not the same role. They're not. And, and and it's wrong if an evangelist or preacher tries to assume the work of an elder. In the absence of an elder. In the, in the absence of elders, that cannot be allowed. Okay. Now, I think also we need to be careful about having a quasi or a pseudo eldership. <laughs> okay. Okay. So we don't have elders. But we got these three guys who are really they're 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 very strong personalities. They they're they're take charge kind of individual. In fact, you might even go so far as to say they're sort of control freaks. And they're they they're not elders. And the truth of the matter is, they wouldn't be qualified to be elders if we appointed elders because there are certain issues in their lives that would prevent them from being elders. But these three guys run the show. They are effectively the elders, although they can't wear that title. Well, we can't allow that either, right? right. Right. Uh, and and so uh, I think we we want to be careful about that. I'm 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 a little concerned when we go to the to the idea of uh, maybe setting up a, a a committee. Okay, we got a okay. We're looking for a preacher. We're going to set up a preacher search committee. Well, I don't know about establishing committees. I mean, where's our where's our Bible pattern for that? This needs to be something that all the men of the church are involved in. We shouldn't turn that over to a select handful of men who take on a role that they not they that they're not authorized to have. And so, I, I think that would be um, um, something to be on guard about. Okay. Uh, then, I think also. We have to talk about the fact that the church does not operate by majority rule. Uh, from time to time, you hear people say, well, let's take a vote. No, let's don't take a vote. because uh, So the vote comes out 10 to 9. So we're going to go. We're going to go. we got 10 votes. and the, the ones who are for it have 10 votes. The ones who are against it have 9 votes. The 10 votes wins. We're going... That's that's running it like a like a, an election process majority rule. The church doesn't operate by majority rule, and so I think we we need to be careful about that sort of thing. Uh, uh, you know, in in Acts chapter fifteen, when there was a meeting in Jerusalem to discuss the issue about circumcision, this is a big hot topic uh, in the day, and lots of people came together in Jerusalem in a discussion about it, but they didn't take a vote 
There was no majority rule on that question. In fact, if there had been a majority vote, the people who were in favor of forcing circumcision on the Gentiles might have won that vote because there was a pretty strong element that Jerusalem coming out of Jerusalem that believed that. I don't know how that vote would have gone, but I, what I do know is they didn't take a vote. And so we don't we don't run by vote. We don't run by majority rule. But the other side of that coin is we don't run by minority rule either. Uh, and so we're trying to make a decision. And we got this one guy. He's just so stubborn and strong-willed. He's outspoken. He's just he's just really a guy who's hard to deal with. And every time there's a decision to be made, he's throwing up you know his hand. He's got a he's got an objection. We're going nowhere because this guy is throwing a, a monkey wrench into every decision-making process that needs to be made. Uh, I would argue uh, that we can't. While we can't operate by majority rule, we can't let some minority of individuals uh, uh, who are just unreasonable and illogical, we can't allow them to rule either. That seems to be the problem with a business meeting type of arrangement or lack of elders is the ones that are least qualified to have a say usually have the loudest voice just because they don't have the spiritual maturity and they don't have the spiritual maturity or the spiritual discipline to realize that that's not the place for that, that they need to to, uh, to be submissive. Right. I mean, when you look at the model with elders, you know, the elders are men who are wise, who uh, who have proven themselves. And so they, you know, there are qualifications around that for a reason, so that those men can make sound decisions. But when you're dealing with just every every man in the congregation, you have people, as you said, Jacob, who may be new, brand new Christians. They don't have maturity. They may be young. Uh, and just don't have uh, wisdom, uh, and so so everything sort of falls back to the human nature, and we ha- and that's when these these personalities, Greg, like you're describing, can bubble up and start to cause problems because it's sort of lowest common denominator. Everybody mm-hmm. kind of has this every man for himself potentially attitude. Um, so we really have to look at. The qualities that Christians should possess in terms of their attitude, in terms of their love for one another, um, and we have to operate as as Christians as best as we possibly can, um, and not allow that those sort of human nature, uh, jealousy, backbiting, um, those sorts of things to creep in. I think you're exactly right. And, um, well, I'd like to make a motion that we take a break. All right. We got, so, so we've kind of talked about some negatives. When we come back real quickly, we want to talk about a couple of positives that we want, we want to make sure happen in this decision making process when there are no elders. We'll talk about that, but then we want to move on to talk about, okay, how do we remedy this situation? How, what do we do to, to develop men who can serve as elders? Dwight is in the chat room tonight. Dwight uh, works during this hour and puts his headphones in so he can listen while he works, and he's sending a few comments tonight. Thank you, Dwight. He says, there are congregations that need elders and have qualified men yet because the group won't, want, doesn't want them. They are not appointed. And yeah, that, that's a crime. Right. Yeah, that's right. And he says the same with discipline. We still have to do the right thing according to God's word. Thank you, right. Uh, right. With elders or with not. Uh, so I appreciate those comments, Dwight. All right, when we get back, 
how do we uh, how do we make decisions on matters of judgment when there are no elders? Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. Now you can listen to a podcast of a recent sermon every week. Find out more at collegeview.com. There's more of the Virtual Bible Study right after these important messages. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. Anyone who has ever harvested fruit from a tree knows that the easiest picking is of the fruit which hangs on the lowest limbs. This fruit can be quickly gathered. No ladders, no reaching, no problem. This is, for obvious reasons, always the first fruit to be picked. Business people sometimes refer to low-hanging fruit when they're not even discussing apples, peaches, or oranges. They use this expression to identify the people, products, profits, and so forth that are easiest to realize. For businessmen, just like orchard keepers, it makes a lot of sense to go after the low-hanging fruit first. As Christians, we have the responsibility of sharing the gospel with the masses of lost people in the world. Contemplating this job can be an overwhelming thing. There are more than 7 billion people in the world today. In fact, we are told that there are currently more living people on earth than the sum total of all the people who have died throughout all time. Think of it. More than half of all the people who ever needed to learn about God and His will are out there today waiting for us to get the good news to them. How can we hope to succeed? Where should we begin? How can we tackle this enormous job? Here's a suggestion. Go for the low-hanging fruit first. By that we mean we should first target the people around us that we know personally, our friends, family, co-workers, neighbors, and other acquaintances. These are the folks that we know the best and they know us. Our chances to influence them will be the greatest. Yes, we need to reach out to all those nameless masses out there, but why not start first by sharing God's truth with the ones right at hand? Such folks will not require special evangelism plans or the expending of large amounts of money. We can just talk to them around the kitchen table, across the back fence, or while seated at the coffee break table. We can realize a huge harvest for the Lord and His kingdom in this simple way. Let's get busy. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. I am Nestor Sanchez from Arica, Chile, and South America. And I love to listen to the virtual Bible study. And this moment, I invite you to participate in this program, too. Gracias. Missed a recent virtual Bible study program? Listen to any of our past programs from the archive section of our website. Now, back to the virtual Bible study. We're back on the program tonight. Reminding you, this program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. Our email address, questions at collegeview.com. And we want to hear from you at any time uh, with your questions, with your comments, with your suggestions for future uh, topics on the virtual Bible study and Maybe even you're volunteering to come and talk on the program with us about something you disagree with. Uh, we'd love to hear from you, and uh, we would love and benefit from such a discussion. Talking about elders on the program tonight, how to act when there are no elders, and then we're going to get into a discussion of how you develop those uh, men for that job, because it certainly is a needed job. All right, real quickly, a couple of positive things as we're working without elders, when we have to make decisions without elders on, on ex- matters of expediency, not doctrine. Doctrine's already set, but in matters of expediency, uh, I, I, I had a note here that we want to conduct the business of the church decently and in order. I, I think most people recognize that expression from 1 Corinthians 14, verse 40, let all things be done decently and in order. Uh, that, that's stated, the context there in 1 Corinthians 14 is talking about worship. And certainly worship needs to be done decently in order. But I think it applies to every element of our work together. And, and unfortunately, that's not always the case. And unfortunately, there are some people who don't seem uh, to be particularly cared about keeping things decent and orderly. Uh, uh, I, I mean, 
probably most of the people listening could tell nightmare stories that they have either personally experienced or heard coming out of business meetings and so forth. I've actually heard of men coming to physical blows uh, with one another in business meeting scenarios. That's ridiculous. Uh, so Shameful. Shameful. Uh, 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 some churches have just a horrible reputation in regards to those things. So so let's keep everything decent and orderly. And, and I think we're working for consensus. Paul told the church at Corinth, 1 Corinthians 1, verse 10. He says, there should be no divisions among you. He says, I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. So actually we're commanded there to come together in these judgment matters and to reach consensus in a loving way. And I think brotherly love is the is another principle that's got to got to be involved there. Romans 12 verse 10, be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love in honor, preferring one another. Uh, and so if we have the right attitudes and if we're committed to this, we can come to consensus. Uh, but consensus may mean that I have to yield. You know, I was talking earlier, we need carpet. And I think I've got it in my mind. I've got it. I, I think I know just exactly the kind of carpet we need. But nobody else seems to like what I like about the carpet. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm determined I'm going to have my way about this carpet decision. Well, that's wrong, right? Uh, I, I've got to be humble and submissive. First Peter five, verse five, submit yourselves. You, you younger, submit yourselves to the older. Yes, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. And so uh, a humble submissiveness is absolutely necessary. Uh, and if we have that, we can come to consensus on these judgment calls. Anthony? Yeah, I mean, I think you make a good point. And people... People, it, it might maybe come as a surprise to some listeners to say, well, wait, you know, how are you going to make a decision unless you take a vote? But kind of stepping back to that idea of taking votes, I mean, certainly what could potentially happen in that scenario, it, you know, you've got, you sort of have these, these factions perhaps where this block of members sort of always vote this direction and this other block always votes this way. And if that continues, then you're going to have a big division. Yeah. Yeah. But but on the other hand, if everybody can uh, can come to that same mind and same judgment as you read, uh, then things are going to be a lot smoother, it seems. And that's the idea of submissiveness that is rooted in humility. True humility is the key to this, because I don't have judgments that I think are bad. And you don't have judgments that you think are bad. I, I have an opinion, and obviously I have a reason for holding this opinion. But I've got to be willing to say my opinion is not that important. It's just my opinion, and yeah. if um, I'm willing to submit to yours. Uh, yeah. but, but, I mean, nobody has an opinion. Uh, this is a dumb opinion, but it's different than his, and so I'm going to keep it. No, if we, if I, if I thought, if I thought your idea was smart, I wouldn't be. It would be my opinion too. But submission is about being humble enough to say, okay, we can go your direction in this. And we really need to be concerned. You know, Paul said in Ephesians uh, chapter four. Let me let me read that in Ephesians chapter four. He says, uh, "I beseech you, 
that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called with all lowliness and meekness, with longsuffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Keeping peace in the local congregation is something we ought to work at. I've known people through the years that I act like they didn't care at all whether there was peace or not. We're supposed to be working toward peace, and sometimes that means I yield on these questions of judgment. It doesn't have to be my way. Wow. And and if and and somebody has to yield when there's a difference of opinion, and if we're all willing to yield, man, consistency will be easy. And yeah, and I think the yielding goes both ways. So, Greg, you talked about, well, I really want this carpet to be, uh, you know, gold shag carpet, you know. Yeah. And, and hey, but, that would be pretty cool. That'd be pretty you. bad, but <laughs> unless you were Elvis or whatever, Graceland. But um, so so you could that's pretty clear. Say, well, you know what? I'm just going to have to back down from that strong desire for that shag carpet. But on the other side of the coin, if you're the person who is a much more of a status quo, very conservative, you're very timid, you don't want to change, you might have to yield your your conservatism, if you will, occasionally as well. Uh, in matters of judgment, not, right, not yes, necessarily in doctrine. Yes. Yeah, right. Right, right. Not, I just mean yeah, like I, yeah, I like right. to just keep. I don't want. I'd rather change keep the anything. walls the same color. Or right. I'd rather keep our meeting time at the what where yeah, it's been for yeah. the last twenty and years. So yeah. It's yeah. yeah. In other words, yeah. it goes both ways. I think, and typically, I think older people are more inclined to want to just maintain the status quo, and younger people are more inclined to want to push things in a different direction. Obviously, we can't push things in an unscriptural direction, but in matters of judgment. The older folks who are inclined to sort of like to stick to the status quo need to be they everybody needs to be willing to yield right and, be- and, and both sides so I think sometimes young people need to understand that if they push too hard they're going to offend the older so let them slow that down on the other hand the older need to realize they need to give a little bit uh, and and we can come to consensus if we are humble right. and submissive and it's good, but it's going to take work as Ephesians four mentions endeavoring yeah. yeah. To keep the unity of spirit and the bond of peace. Yeah. It doesn't happen and by it accident. Should be, it should words. be important to us. Keeping that peace should be important. And there may be, Anthony, some ideas that I don't bring up that I may honestly think might be good because I know that that wouldn't make for peace. Maybe right. I real, I'm really into that shag carpet, but I'm gonna. Every time I'm just gonna set on that idea because I, if I were to bring it up, it, it'd send Anthony into orbit. Well, right. But there's some brethren who keep bringing up things that they know drive people crazy. But they keep bringing it up anyway. Don't right. do that yeah, right. because it, because uh, you you know it's just a, a a point of friction that's going to cause contention. Right, wrong, or indifferent. I mean, maybe it shouldn't. Maybe right, uh, right. Anthony ought to be able to take my shag carpet idea, but he won't. So I'm not I'm <laughs> yeah. not going there. Exactly. Yeah. Right. yeah. yeah. Right. Good point. Right. Okay. Let's grab mm-hmm. a quick break, Jacob. We got real quick. We got to deal with this question. Some things we can do to develop scriptural elders. Dwight says I read in Acts six where the whole congregation made the choice to choose seven men. That's right. They and they got and they got the job done. They uh-huh. came together. They made a decision. Quick break and your comments on the other side. Don't go anywhere. We're back after this. These guys are doing all of the talking. We need to hear from you. Call in now. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. I'm Tom Goodall, a member of College View Church of Christ. Do you have a question about what has been said on the virtual Bible study tonight? Perhaps you disagree with something that was said, or would just like more information about what you've heard. If so, we'd love to hear from you. Please contact us with any questions or comments that you might have. Email us at questions at collegeview.com, and we can discuss any of your questions or comments with you privately or over email. 
Or if you would like to speak with someone in person, call us at 931-381-4567. Our promise to you is that we'll do our very best to give you a Bible answer for anything that we do or teach, and that we will do so in a loving manner. So if you have any questions or comments about our program tonight or any Bible subject, email us at questions at collegeview.com or call 931-381-4567. Thanks for listening to tonight's virtual Bible study, and we hope to hear from you soon. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. According to a recent poll, most Americans, that is 54%, say they don't spend much or any time thinking about their own death. 14% say they spend a lot of time thinking about death, while another 31% say they spend some time thinking about it. Three out of four Americans believe in the existence of heaven or hell, including 66% who think both exist. 11% believe only heaven exists. 17% of Americans don't think either place exists. Among those who do believe in heaven or hell, 82% expect to wind up in heaven at the end of their lives. 2% say they expect to end up in hell. 9% don't think they will be in either place. That information is via CBS News. The Word of God says in Hebrews 9, verse 27, It is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. Share your comment with the world. Call in now and be a part of the virtual Bible study. Now, back to the program. We're back on the program and going to the top of the hour fast here on how Jeff, to develop Jeff, in the those. chat room, Jeff is all about shag carpet, so oh. go, go, He Jeff, says it's go. groovy. Yeah. <laughs> right Far on, out. man. Yeah. <laughs> all right, real quick, what can we do? To develop scripture elders. Well, I think the primary responsibility is on individual men mm-hmm. to develop themselves to be qualified to serve as elders. Uh, Kent said, take note of the biblical qualifications of 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1. Seek to meet them in one's personal life. Also, those desiring to serve in scripturally qualified eldership need to strive to the best of their ability to become the very best student of the Bible they can become in addition to develop leadership capabilities. I think you're right, Amen. Kent. Thanks. So we need men who will who make this a goal for themselves. They got to grow spiritually. Second Peter three verse eighteen: Grow in the grace and knowledge of Lord, uh, Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So they've got to personally be committed to growing. That involves, as Kent said, developing a deep knowledge of the Scripture. Be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you the reason of the hope that's in you of meekness and fear. First Peter three verse fifteen. You need to you need to be committed, deeply committed to godly things, fully devoted. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Matthew six verse thirty three. You need to be you need to be develop a a, a a stability, a spiritual stability. Paul warned about some people in Ephesians four fourteen that are tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. In Ephesians 4.4, 4, you, you can't be that way. You've got to be grounded. You got you know the truth, and you're grounded, you're fixed, you're, you're stable. Holding fast the faithful word as he has been taught, Titus 1, verse 9. Exactly right. You got you, you need to develop a, a, some leadership ability. You know, some, some men have leadership capacity, and others just don't. Some mm-hmm. people are leaders, and others are followers. And, and so if you're going to be an elder, you need to... To understand uh, the need to lead, the need to develop that ability to lead, and that's that's illustrated by how he leads his house yeah. in First Timothy three verses four and five. Exactly right. That would be a place where he demonstrates whether they can do it or not. Right. 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 
uh, we've already talked about humility and submissiveness. Uh, That would be true of the elders as well as anybody else. You need to be a person who has your passions under control. Uh, Paul said, you know, in 1 Corinthians 9, verse 27, I I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have taught others, I myself should be a castaway. You've got to keep yourself under control. Verse 7 of Titus 1, not soon angry. So not getting out of the striker. Keep your own passions under control. And then... Understand that you're, you need to be setting a track record. You're establishing a reputation. This is not going to happen overnight. Mm-hmm. Uh, you need to demonstrate so that when the process gets started, people have a basis to make a decision. So it's not going to be the case where we're going to have, we're going to make a decision about elders. And I go, oh, I want to be an elder. And so, uh, no, if you, if you're going to be an elder, you've already been establishing this reputation leading up to this decision you're not going to do that overnight and so you're going to be already demonstrating by the way you live and act the knowledge you have the scriptures the wisdom and maturity of your decision making you're setting a you're setting a a a demonstrated pattern in your life uh, that will allow people to say hey that's the guy we need. I, I I used this illustration once, and somebody took me to task for it, but I don't think it's a bad illustration. I, men who are going to be elders in low congregation ought to be like cream rising to the top of the milk. You know, in other words, when we get to that point of making that decision, it ought to be almost like a a no brainer. Everybody's like, yeah, yeah, that's the guy, or these are the guys. Uh, uh, you know, because they have worked hard develop themselves and set a pattern and everybody recognizes it it's not a it's not a shock to somebody. you know it's not going to be you mean and so oh, oh brother joe we're going to make him an elder joe are you kidding joe i never thought of him in that light you know that's not the guy we want right yeah so yeah. so a lot of it is on the individual man okay. to develop these abilities all right and then i think uh, as Others who I asked the question, what can other church members do? Church members who themselves might never serve as elders, but what can they do to help in the development of elders? Um, had an email from Jim yeah. in Coleman, Alabama, who said, we are working hard to develop several very good young men who are in their late 20s and 30s. We have an on and off again monthly study where we pose situations to them. We let them talk through the situations, decide what they would do, then discuss their answers. It helps them not only with scriptural solutions, but also to learn how the others with whom they will likely serve one day, how they think, how they reason. Uh, This is an effective long-range way to train men. Further, it keeps present elders in close touch with these guys. Uh, He says, uh, so that has many benefits above just eldership training. I've never known of a church that does it uh, in that much of an organized way, but I I think it's very commendable. uh, we probably all ought to be a little more long-sighted about that sort of thing. Certainly. Uh, Kent says, seek to follow the Word of God in all areas and encourage those seeking to qualify themselves to become elders, offering to assist them in any way possible. When qualified men are properly appointed, members of the local church can strive to, to the best of their abilities to support those men 1,000% as long as they are faithfully serving the Lord in such a capacity. Yeah. Uh, 
So what what can others do? I, I think preachers can have a, a hand in this. Remember, we already looked at Titus 1, verse 5, where Paul told Titus that he left him in Crete to ordain elders uh, in every church uh, uh, to set in, how, how to say, to... The things that are lacking. The, the things that were wanting or lacking, yeah. Yep. So preachers can teach and influence and encourage uh, the whole congregation, and, and certainly specific men can be taught and and encouraged in that direction uh other faithful men you know uh there there are faithful men in any local congregation who would never qualify to be elders for instance maybe as as we have here college view some good faithful men who are not married they're not married men they don't have children they're good and faithful men but because of of that one thing maybe they would never be able to serve as elders. but they can encourage others who would be able to serve mm-hmm. as elders? Uh, I think uh, a man's family uh, can be a big help to him. His wife and his children uh, can assist a man in in demonstrating his capacity or his ability uh, to be an elder. You mentioned Jacob in the qualifications in First Timothy chapter three, uh, verse four. An elder must be one who rules well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? Well, uh, if a wife is unsubmissive, uh, if the children are rebellious, then they're going to make it so that this man can't, can't qualify to serve as an elder. So the wives and the children of men can have a vital role in making men qualified to be elders. I think... I think maybe take it another step within the family. Fathers and mothers can raise their sons to understand the importance of this work and have a desire that ultimately someday maybe they could fill that role. Uh, So, uh, uh, you know, I I think that's something. Uh, And then uh, men themselves, we already said, are primarily responsible but before I reach that point of being qualified, so I'm, I'm a maybe I'm a young man and I don't meet the qualifications yet. But I know some guys in the church that I think could qualify or, or should be encouraged. And so, although I hope to someday reach that point where I can serve, between now and the time I get there, I'm going to do my best to encourage others who 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 can right now. Right. So a lot, a lot of a lot of people can be involved in helping to the development of elders. All right, uh, and I think that's uh, that's something that maybe is not often considered enough is uh, is is yeah. getting that uh, those potent, those future elders in a position where they can lead. Yeah, and speaking of future, I was actually thinking, you know, we've uh, here at College View a few quarters ago, we actually did a class with the with our young men specifically about. You know, learning, you know, setting a course for yourself as a young man to be able to be an elder. We had a, a whole uh, quarter-long study on that. So it could start start young, start with our young men. Exactly right. All right. Good discussion tonight. I think it's really important, important discussion. discussion. Yeah. Uh, and uh, certainly uh, the value of uh, scriptural elders in a congregation can't be understated. You know, our whole our whole discussion tonight was on the uh, based upon an assumption that we – we didn't really develop the idea of, of the New Testament 
authority for how local congregations are to be organized. So we kind of we kind of made our study on the assumption that we all agreed about that. But if you would happen to disagree, maybe maybe for instance you're a member of a denomination that has some sort of church hierarchy. We believe in independent, autonomous local congregations overseen by qualified elders. But if you think a different kind of church organization is is uh, acceptable, we'd be glad to hear from you. Maybe it's the single pastor arrangement where uh. the preacher is the one who calls the shots, who is the leader of the congregation. We'd like to hear your scriptural defense of that arrangement. Uh, how do you defend that from the scriptures? We don't believe that's taught in the scriptures. Uh, but if you'd like to uh, explain that to us, we certainly would benefit from hearing your explanation. So lots of uh, lots of arrangements in congregations that just don't have basis in Scripture, and, yeah. and we're trying to be organized like the Scriptures tell us to be organized. Exactly. All right. Good discussion tonight. Anthony, any final thoughts from you? No, I just uh, I think it's a good study. I think, um, you know, uh, lots of uh, good points made. There's some judgment involved here. There's, uh, there's the need for humility for those folks who are in, Congregations without elders and some just some good reminders for all of us. All right. Good discussion, Dad. Thanks, thanks, Jacob. Thank you, and thank you for being a part of it on the other end of the line tonight. We hope you benefited from our study discussion of God's Word. We hope you will get in touch with us again, questions at collegeu.com, and we hope you make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word of the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.